Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here with the Week 14 DFS walkthrough and breakdown for the main slate. We'll touch quickly on each game on the main slate, try and get through it as quick as possible as I record here on Saturday uh, before the Sirius XM show. Of course, if you're listening to this on Saturday, uh, you can check us out 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, me and the Trash Man, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, and then on Sunday morning, 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, the all-business edition of the epic radio performance with me and Byron Lambert. Uh, if you can only listen to one hour, <laughs> I'd recommend that hour over any of the any of the uh, Saturday night hijinks that Trash Man and I do. Also, just a quick reminder, please give us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so either by going to the link inside the um, wherever your podcast player is, where the information is for this episode, and you can click support this podcast here. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. But the best way to support the podcast is to get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. Where you'll get access to all of our tools, get access to all of our insight and um, information that we're going to continue gathering here through the rest of the rest of the football season, and we'll play DFS, you know, going into the Super Bowl, and then of course after that, the NFL draft season kicks off. We'll probably have some XFL stuff to talk about too. So a big off season here in store. Please, if you'd like to support us, if you like this content. You'll find a lot more of it with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll also ensure that we get to continue doing this because we are completely uh, independent and powered by our uh, we're powered by Roster Watch Nation. So thank you guys. All right, let's get into the slate, ladies and gentlemen. Washington at the Green Bay Packers. The uh, Green Bay Packers here are 13 point favorites. This game has a 42 total. We have 74% of the tickets on the over, but only 27% of the money. So already right off the bat, I can tell you there's probably not going to be a, a, a play that the Sharps are on <laughs> any more this week than the under here in this game, which probably isn't the best news for Dwayne Haskins, Darius Geis, anybody on the – I mean, Terry McLaurin, anybody on the um, Washington Redskins side. I have a four-man um, – DFS cash game that I play in every week with my co-hosts and my producer for my Roto Grinders show for the Blitz with Derek Cardi and Kyle Kyle Murray and our producer Simon Edwards and I took fourth place last week after taking first place the week before and whoever gets fourth place the uh, the rest of the guys get to pick your quarterback and they picked of course Dwayne Haskins for me so I have to start this asshole in cash. I think basically what I'm saying is he's probably the worst option on the whole entire board, and anybody connected to him is probably a a pretty bad choice as well. Uh, If you look at the props this week on Adrian Peterson and Darius, guys, both are absolutely miserable. Uh, The one guy who, I mean, Terry McLaurin might be somebody who you could play here on the Washington Redskins side, but I'm certainly not out over my skis to to make that happen. And... um, let me just pull up these props. I think Kelvin Harmon actually had a decent prop. We don't have any Trey Quinn in this game, no Paul Richardson in this game. So Kelvin Harmon, who's seen his um, usage sort of tick up here over the past couple of weeks anyway, and who's actually a pretty good prospect, uh, I think he'll get a little bit of interest because he's only, he's, he's like, like 3,500 or something on DraftKings. But as we get to later, there are a couple guys in that range 
that I uh, definitely like better. Where's the goddamn Vegas tool? As always, very, very professional here and ready to go. All right, I'll pull up my worksheet here for the Vegas tool. So Darius Geis had a... I mean, the props, yeah, a 50.5 total yard rushing prop, and he's only plus 275 to score. A one and a half reception over under. Adrian Peterson was even worse. A 43.5 yard uh, rushing plus receiving. Just, so a, tw- a 43.5 yards from scrimmage total, also plus 275 to score. Just the We've already spent too much time talking about the Washington side. On the Green Bay Packers side, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's an epic spot for Devontae Adams. You can stack him with Aaron Rodgers. I think it's a perfectly fine play. Devontae Adams, of course, showing up in all of our models. Both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, weirdly, popped up in our models for uh, for the running back position for Green Bay. It's just a matter of Jesus. Which one of these guys are you going to pick? Um, we do have Jamal Williams that's had the questionable tag this week. It looks like he's shaping up like he's going to be able to play. Was he even on the final injury report here? Let me just check and see. I'm not sure he was even on the final injury report. So, no, uh, he's off the injury report, so he should be good to go. We do um, – yeah, in and, and, and that same game, yeah. So, Quinn and Richardson are, are both have been confirmed out as of today over on the Redskins side. Look, I, I mean, I think with the way that this slate lines up, there are going to be a couple things that we're going to be waiting on. And I probably should have prefaced it before we got into the – before we even got into any of this. One is Le'Veon Bell. He has an illness – if he can't go, it's going to open up either Bilal Powell or Ty Montgomery for us. We have a decision to make with Dalvin Cook. He's in an epic smash spot versus the Detroit Lions, but he has the SC joint sprain. He hasn't even been on the injury report, but he sure as hell looked like he was in some pain last week, and they say that this is just a pain management deal. You wonder with how just uh, – I'm getting a, we're getting ahead of ourselves here as far as the game by game, but th- like these are important context things. Dalvin Cook, how do we handle that with Alexander Madison, right? Uh, is that is that value going to open up there? Because if those values open up, it starts making us to where we don't necessarily have to think about, um, you know, for cash games, getting down to the, you know, the 4 and the 5K range for some of these running backs that we'll talk about. And we might be able to consider paying up to the – Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon, Sony Michelle, these types of kind of more off the off the wall plays to maybe differentiate ourselves a little bit, maybe. And we're not gonna know until tomorrow morning, until Sunday morning. So if you're listening to this Sunday morning, make sure you've got the news, see if anything's happened with Rappaport or Schefter regarding um regarding Le'Veon Bell. Any new news about Dalvin Cook, maybe that he'll just be limited. Maybe that they're going to keep a close eye on him, something like that. That would definitely open up Alexander Madison. And if those two things happen, I think it would go. It would it would change the way that uh, we're going about building these building these lineups. And it could be maybe just not paying all the way down for tight end. Um, but I just I found that when I've messed around with these Bilal Powell. Um, Oh, and then the other thing, well, when these Bilal Powell-ish lineups or the, the other thing is Josh Jacobs, he has the shoulder. This It's a fractured shoulder. I mean, this thing's looking like it might be a serious questionable tag this time because he hasn't practiced worth shit this week. John Gruden says he didn't do much in, on, in Friday's practice. I, it's almost like he's on the wrong side of questionable. So then we can start talking about Jalen Richard or, De, or DeAndre Washington in that matchup. So... 
you know, if those things start opening up, it's going to make the way that our lineups look a whole lot different. And you know what the cool thing about this is, is we're talking about these situations right now, those three running back situations right now on Saturday, I mean, pretty late Saturday afternoon when, when I usually record these pods. And we still don't like there's there's not clarity. And when we only get clarity 90 minutes before these games kick off, the average DFS player is not going to be able to adjust. They're going to have their lineup set. They're going to talk themselves into it. They're going to like the way it looks. They're going to say, look, I'm not going to go around and fuck up my whole week just because I want to get these guys in. And that's exactly what you want not to be. Because the later the information comes down, the more valuable it is because the sharper players are the ones who know how to what just how to how to the compartmentalize what's what's a good word who know how to you know take that information and 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 make something of it right a lot of people are going to be sitting around and they're going to say like well i I need to wait for somebody to tell me what the hell to do here now that this has happened that's not what we fucking do we're we're gonna we are going to know what to do and so as i've been building lineups i've been i've been building lineups that have Bilal powell or i've been building lineups that have ty montgomery or some of these other guys just in case that news does come down tomorrow i don't want to be i don't want to be one of these people that says i'm not going to switch on to the optimal plays just because it's going to screw up everything else i've got going on i want to have that going on and if i get word tomorrow that Le'Veon bell plays then it just means i won't have that going on anymore (laughs) very simple all right, so back to the back to the actual slate here. That that whole tangent was just basically to preface, it, it, you know, what it is that we're talking about and the way you should be wrapping your mind around this and, and what you should be thinking, and also kind of saying like, you know, that Aaron Jones pricing to get up to a guy like him. It's like basically if we get the value opening up for any of those situations, it's going to be the difference in whether you are paying somewhere in the Jamal Williams range for a running back or whether you're paying in the uh, Aaron Jones range for your third running back. And to be honest, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind not playing either of them, but it's just, it, man, it feels like, it feels like you, Aaron Jones in good spots, man. Whenever you miss on him, it, 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 it hurts pretty bad, but boy, has he been off and on. He, he's not been, he's just, that guy's a hard, frustrating player for fantasy football across all formats. Okay, uh, next game here. Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons. We have a 47 total in this game. The Falcons are three-and-a-half-point favorites here. We have 66% of the tickets on the Falcons along with 82% of the money. We have 53% of the tickets on the over along with 62% of the money. So public sentiment, sharp support, all saying Atlanta here in a game that should be pretty high scoring. You know, people could be sleeping on Matt Ryan because – you know, he it looks like well, it looks like Julio's going to play. Um, Austin Hooper's back. Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage is a little bit banged up, so we'll you know we'll keep an eye on that. All these receivers are a little bit banged up. Let's see who always on the final injury report. So we still have nobody on the final injury report as far as these uh, wide receivers. So they're all good to go. Devonte Freeman's back too. And this is a good matchup versus the uh, versus the Carolina Panthers for opposing running backs. And Devontae Freeman has been has been getting a lot of action lately. So I think this game could be a sort of overlooked game that people 
um, you know, are going to be looking at the pieces on the Carolina side because they're just so interesting. To I mean, Christian McCaffrey versus Atlanta last time, and I've talked about this a lot this week. I feel like I keep repeating myself, but the Falcons have historically just given up so much through the air to opposing running backs, and it hasn't been quite the same this season. I'm not sure exactly why. Everybody has their theories. But for Christian McCaffrey, it's been, it's been the same. I mean, he, last time he played these assholes, he got peppered with like 15 targets. I think he had 11 catches. And now we have a situation with Carolina. You know, Ron Rivera's been fired. We have North Turner moving into like an administrative sort of oversight role. Pat Perry Fuel as the um, as the interim head coach and and uh, Scott Turner, North's son, as the offensive coordinator. We've already heard Perry Fuel this week say that your goal number for one for one is what we've heard David Tepper, the 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 owner of the Carolina Panthers, say, and that is, look, this is an audition. This is an audition for Perry Fuel. This is an audition for Scott Turner, young Scott Turner. A very young man, but a man who's thought about in the industry as somebody who's actually done something worth a shit and not just riding his own dad's coattails. People, people, have a, people, people hold him in decently high regard, and David Tepper realizes that. He wants to see what these dudes can do, man. He's using this as an opportunity to, to, to gain some data about a big upcoming decision that he has. I mean, dude, David Tepper's been... Told, he, he's, he, has to put his, he has to put his fingerprints on this franchise and do so in a way that's cool, that is going to be able to instill the things that he's interested in, which is, you know, he said an, an analytical, you know, he wants a head coach who's going to be, you know, analytical, but also old school from a football perspective and... You know, he, he, he has all these different ideas, but he's, just, he's, just, he's a smart owner, right? He's going to take every opportunity that he can to evaluate every possible angle that he can. And for that reason, I expect this team to be playing motivated. I expect these coaches to be wanting to go out there and if they're, if they're not auditioning for this team, they're auditioning for, for another team. We also have Christian McCaffrey, who is on pace for a historic season. It, you know, the season's been lost for the Carolina Panthers. They don't have shit to play for except for maybe to get Christian McCaffrey the yards from scrimmage record. He could, he, he, he could legitimately get it. And when Perry Fuel is saying that he wants to play him more than he has, I mean, Jesus. So Christian McCaffrey, I'm playing him. I think you should too. Ian Thomas, there's going to be no Greg Olson in this game. I, I mean, he's a perfectly reasonable play if you look at the Vegas tool, which did I, mean, did I ever get that goddamn thing pulled up? He's at the very top of the Vegas tool this week. I'll just say that. Our pro members know what that means, and you can go to rosterwatch.com and get a pro membership. Ian Thomas, the sports books just feel like he is way too underpriced based on the props that they're giving out for his receptions and his receiving yards over under, as well as his touchdown expectations at plus 250. He's, he's the minimum salary on DraftKings. I know that Perry Fuel came out this week and said that there's going to be a committee approach at the tight end position, but that's just what fucking coaches say. There are other tight ends. What is it? Chris Manhurst, Manhurts, and then Alex Arma, who's not even a tight end. He's like the, you know, it's like one of these H, like an Andy Janovich type of like fullback, you know, that you could kind of, you know, like a Kyle Juszczyk. So, 
I, I mean, Ian Thomas is fast. Yeah, really loved him at his senior bowl. Good athlete. Um, at 2,500, you know, we're going to need him if none of this value opens up and in these other games. And then, of course, DJ Moore, you can always play him. Curtis Samuel's cheap this week. He's been getting a little bit more involved. Um, I just, I always just lean with DJ Moore. It's that, that's been the profitable thing to do this year. He is, though, uh, definitely getting more expensive. And, you know, I kind of skimmed over Devontae Freeman earlier, but I, I think he's a good play on the other side, especially over on DraftKings, where he's only 5,400. All right, Detroit at Minnesota. We have a 43.5 point total in this game. Minnesota is 13 point favorites. Um, David Blow, Blau, David Blau. Uh, quarterbacking for the Lions here. This will be his first sort of, you know, I mean, not sort of, it'll be his first road game as a starter after finding some moderate success in the first half of that Thanksgiving game versus the Chicago Bears, largely thanks to one big blown coverage play by Kenny Galladay. But, I mean, give the guy credit, man. He also had some nice throws to to Marvin Jones and, and some, you know, he didn't look bad. He didn't look near as bad as, as, as people thought he would last week. With that being said, I, I mean, 43.5 total here, and Minnesota's 13-point favorites. This is a game where I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm not playing Detroit Lions. Um, on the Minnesota side with Dalvin, look, here's the thing with Dalvin. He's, he's expensive on DraftKings. He is much cheaper on FanDuel where he's much more – he's 5% of your salary less on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings. So, what do you do? Because he's the number what, number four matchup of the week via the roster watch matchup tool. Is that what this thing is? Let's see. Um, no, the number one matchup of the week via the roster watch matchup tool. Um, it would probably be number four if it was just on its own via the via the analytics and the personnel and stuff like that. But since it's a thirteen point. Uh, spread here with the uh, Vikings as as home favorites. The matchup tool just took those into consideration, I'm sure, and, and just made it number one. So the question is with Dalvin here, what are the Minnesota Vikings really – what do they gain by banging that dude into the line of scrimmage for 25 car crashes – on a sprained AC joint, SC shoulder joint. Whenever Alexander Madison has looked really, really good, especially if they get out to a lead, I just I don't know. I mean, our models love Dalvin this week, and I couldn't in my I couldn't with any um not decency, but with any like level of responsibility. I, I couldn't I couldn't put him on the DFS cheat sheets because I think there's a chance that he could play like seven he could get like seven attempts and one target or something like that and they get up a big Stephon Diggs touchdown and all of a sudden you start seeing Alexander Madison in a little bit more and maybe he scores a touchdown and then after that just Dalvin Cook's on ice. We know that the Minnesota Vikings they need to keep winning they they really they they, they need to to make the playoffs but. Look with the schedules that the Rams have, I think that probably they're a little, a little their their odds of making it through the gauntlet that they have ahead of them as far as the, what the Vikings have are a lot better than what the Rams do when they still I think they still have to play San Francisco again and they still have to play Seattle again. So it's like you, you need you want Dalvin you got to win now, but you also want Dalvin 
healthy down the stretch. And there's also the things like he, he could here. Here's what I'm getting down to. I'm going to play Alexander Madison anyway. Even if Dalvin's active, some of my tournament lineups, I'm, I'm going to play Alexander Madison. I have a lot of conviction that I think he's good. Like, I have a lot of conviction that it just makes sense that, that guy plays a little bit more. And, and whenever he does play, he plays well. And even if we only get the, there's still a back, like we still have sort of backdoor outs. Even if this is a situation where he doesn't get significantly more run than usual, we've seen Alexander Madison go decently big on just 10 and 11 touches in these games before. And this is the best matchup on the whole slate. It's one where he should figure in and, 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 and I think you should be considering him, even if we don't get the late news, that Dalvin is going to be limited and or he's a surprise inactive. When everybody else is scrambling around to get the Bilal Powell stuff figured out, maybe you already have the Bilal Powell stuff or the Ty Montgomery stuff or the DeAndre Washington stuff or the Jalen Richard stuff. You already have that figured out, and you can slip in another cheap guy like an Alexander Madison. Now you can play Christian McCaffrey, those two guys, and then shit. Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. You don't have to go all the way down to a cheap Ian Thomas punt tight end. You could play the awesome George Kittle play and, and bring it back on the other side of Michael Thomas, something like that. Other than those two, man, I mean, what, Kyle Rudolph or something? I just I don't find myself in that mid-range for these tight ends this week. I like Jack Doyle. I like... I guess Jack Doyle's kind of mid-range too, isn't he? What is it? So I can't say I don't really like the mid-range. Jack Doyle is 4,600. Kyle Rudolph is 4,400. So basically what I'm saying is if I am if I am going in that range, I'm paying 200 more for Jack Doyle in that spot. All right, the next game up here, we're going to go with the – San Francisco 49ers at the New Orleans Saints. Saints two-point favorites in this game. Only a 44.5-point total here in this spot. And oddly, man, uh, 65% of tickets and 74% of the money is on the San Francisco 49ers here. Do we – how do we not want to play Michael Thomas? I know it's a tough matchup for opposing – wide receivers if we look at the matchup tool it's actually the second worst matchup of the whole entire week behind the new england patriots but michael thomas is awesome he's going to get peppered with targets uh i see byron doesn't like byron likes Devonte adams better i just i do not like Devonte adams better um i don't like him in a vacuum i i mean i like michael thomas better even at his price at 8300 than I do Devontae Adams at his price of 8000 I would rather pay up to get to Michael Thomas. So uh, I think that they're both great plays. I think that they're their two best plays on the slate. However, it's like, you know, I, I, would, I would rather have rather have Michael Thomas. He has an eight-and-a-half reception prop this week. I mean, it's, it's, always a, it's, it's always a monster. And just with the way Drew Brees is operating this year and the way that he's just having a little bit of trouble forcing the football down the field, like he used to, the areas that Michael Thomas operates in are just the areas that those are the spots, man. So uh, I love Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara this week is just too damn cheap. I mean, I could pull it up on DK. I don't have the game. I, You guys know I just I do this shit off the cuff. Um, but I just like to pull up DK and see what the, the price is. I think he's only 7000 just way too cheap. And the, pro, you know, the problem that most people will see with him is that 
he is he's just hasn't been scoring. The last time he scored a touchdown, Jesus, it was in week three at Seattle. Even with that being the case, though, I mean, he's putting up these games. He's putting up these floor games that have been getting you by okay. And he did he did fuck everybody on Thanksgiving. I'm not sure that that many people are going to be on him. So, love Alvin Kamara. Love Michael Thomas. On the, I think Drew Brees is probably fine in a tournament stack with those guys. On the other side, if I'm bringing it back with one player, it's going to be George Kittle. I, you, I mean, look, if you could tell me who's going to, be the running back that gets all the work this week between Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and Raheem Mostert. Good for you. Move to Las Vegas and start playing the goddamn slots or I don't know. If you could tell me that, you're going to be listening to this goddamn podcast. That's for sure. George Kittle is the play, man. That's like, that's the, that's the play. If you can get up to George Kittle, man. All right. How about this next one? Um, Indianapolis at Tampa Bay, a 47 total in this one after opening up at 50.5. So we've seen a little bit of a drop there. Tampa Bay is three-point favorites. One of my favorite cheat plays on this slate, or my favorite cheat play, my favorite play that I'm going all the way down for whenever some assholes are talking about playing Kelvin Harmon, I'm I'm just going to play Paris Campbell, (laughs) right? I mean, he's back. He's fully ready to go. Frank Reich's talked about how he's excited to get him going and see what's going on with him. There's no Eric Ebron in this game. There is no T.Y. Hilton in this game. There's no Chester Rogers in this game. It's Zach Paschal. It's it's Marcus Johnson, old old me John man from here and down here in um, down here in Austin, ex University of Texas Longhorn. So I'll, I'll always have a little bit of love for Marcus Johnson. But I can tell you, man, Marcus Johnson's bounced around a whole lot of. Time. Whole lot of teams at the NFL NFL level. Whole lot of practice squads. Paris Campbell is a second round stud. You know that that's a high high draft capital guy with four three speed, and um, this is the best matchup that there is. So why are we not interested when he's thirty two hundred? <laughs> like so, I'm playing some I'm playing some Paris Campbell this week. Not just because we need the savings, but because Paris Campbell is a sick prospect. And I'm very interested to see how he looks whenever there could be some some um, there could be some concentration of targets going going his way. So it'll be fun to watch regardless. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to plan to have a little bit of, of DFS action there with him. Also going to be planning on having some Jack Doyle. We talked about that earlier. Marlon Mack comes back this week, but we talk about Tampa Bay every week. I don't want to try and run on these assholes. Chris Godwin, I mean, Mike Evans, throw a throw a dart. It's just so hard between these two guys. I mean, let's just look. I think let me look. I think there were some injuries in the injuries in the Colts secondary. So, oh, all right. So Kenny Moore is out for the Colts. So that's that's a kind of a big deal um, for Godwin. For Godwin, so I'm going to add a trend on him over in the DK trends on DraftKings for the model. It still had, you know, it's just basic. It's basically projecting these guys for the same. And so on the DK model, I think it was just Mike Evans on the FanDuel model. Since both those guys are cheaper, it has both of them and it has Jameis as as a as a preferred option here in this matchup. We talk about how the Colts have 
you know, that Eberflu scheme doesn't necessarily give up the big play. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, I've seen them kind of get burned with some big plays. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly who it's been, but think back over the course of the last couple – I mean, shit, shit, I'll just go look it up. Um, that's why you're here, isn't it? Not for me to just tell you I think, but to tell you I know. Uh, let's see. So we'll look at the wide receiver position. I'm sorry. It's like I'm having to go through all these back-end tools. Okay, so the Indianapolis Colts, what have they allowed to wide outs? Okay, so DeAndre Hopkins went big. It was Khalif Raymond last week that we saw get behind that defense. DeAndre Hopkins went big on him for 24 points in half-point PPR. DJ Chark got at him on the outside for 8, 104, and 2. Woo! So... Yeah, I mean, it it hasn't been like this all year, but when they face these good sort of these these good sort of uh, big outside weapons, the Julio Jones had twenty three points against them. DeAndre Hopkins, with the like I'm like, like I mentioned, had the had the nine for one hundred six and one against them. Um, so dating back to dating back to week eleven or so, it's basically been you know every week there's been somebody that kind of gets a big play. Uh, week 11, it was DJ Chark. Week 12, it was DeAndre Hopkins. Week 13, it was Khalif Raymond. Um, so we'll see this week. Is it going to be Mike Edwins, Mike Evans, Mike Edwins? I'm getting it mixed up. Or Chris Godvin? <laughs> Who knows? They're both awesome, man. I mean, man, shit. They cost like the same price. Make two lineups and put one of them in each or something. I don't know. Can't play Rojo. Can't play Peyton Barber. Jesus Christ. I mean, can't play O.J. Howard. Cincinnati Bengals at Cleveland Browns here. We have a 41.5 point total in this deal. Cleveland a 7 point favorite after opening up as 10.5 point favorites. 69% of the tickets on the the over along with 64% of the money. 58% of the tickets on the Bengals along with 61% of the money. Baker Mayfield has a fucked up hand. Otherwise, I would be saying I th- I, I like Jarvis. Like I like a bunch of the Browns here in this one. Jarvis is, is in play. Odell Beckham's in play. A Baker would be in play. I just I would be so tilted if he goes out of the game. You know, in the in the first quarter, like shaking his hand and all this stuff. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, Nick Chubb has like a 99.5-yard rushing prop. It's, it's just in, insane. I just – I worry so much. And I don't understand how, – how do, how do other people not worry so much about how how much Kareem Hunt has been involved down on the goal line or down in the red zone? It seems like they have packages drawn up for that dude down in the, down in the red zone. And I'm just – I'm not too – I'm not paying all the way up to pay for Nick Chubb. In a spot like this, it, it feels it feels a little bit weird to you know pay two hundred dollars more for Nick Chubb than I'm going to be paying for Leonard Fournette, who's just getting much better usage, who's being much more used in the receiving game. I'd rather go up to Derrick Henry, who goes who goes bananas in December, right? Like Nick Chubb's in an, in an awkward spot, pricing wise, which probably means he's a great play in tournaments. You know, that like certainly means he's a, he's a great play in tournaments. It's just. You know, the touches per game. If, if just if you look at it for over the course of the season, I understand that it's you know it's it's like 
you're only looking at the difference between like one and a half touches per game between him and guys like Leonard Fournette. He's actually had more touches per game on the season than Derrick Henry. But if you just look at the way that they're trending, you worry a little bit about it. Certainly, Nick Chubb in one of the best spots this week, the number seven matchup versus opposing runners. But, I mean, Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette, who we just talked about, that's the number nine and the number 10 matchup versus Oakland and versus the Chargers, respectively. So, look, Chubb popped in our models. I always talk about this podcast is is not rep- necessarily representative of our models. It's representative of my thoughts about the slate. Certainly, I incorporate a ton of what our models and our tools say. Sometimes I hate what the model says. Sometimes I think the model spits out shitty plays, but I, I don't change them unless it's the thing like Dalvin Cook this week where the model simply didn't know that Dalvin Cook had an FC joint sprain that it's just – it seemed like malpractice to leave him on the sh- on the sheet for people who might not know that. But for people who listen to this podcast, now you know Dalvin Cook's in a terrific spot. And if you're going to take a little bit of a chance for a guy that nobody's going to be on, who's like the second best running back in fantasy this season in the number one matchup of the week in a must-win game for his team at home as two touchdown favorites, maybe you want to play him at 5% ownership. But I, I I can't in good conscience put him on the sheet because he his floor is literally you know four fantasy points or something. Hopefully you're not more confused now than when you first tuned in. Let's move on to the next game here. Well, I don't know how we got on Dalvin. Um, Miami at the New York Jets. I love this game, man. Forty six total. This thing opened up at forty four. Jets are down to a five point favorite. They opened up a seven and a half point favorites. We have a, everybody in their dog thing. This game goes over seventy seven percent of the tickets, but only sixty one percent of the money. So not quite the sharp sentiment there with the public support. Whenever, when since Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing well, it it really makes like it makes targeting the Miami defense even awesomer. Right, and we've targeted them all the time. John Brown, Odell Beckham, all these. I think the only time that we targeted them heavily that we got swindled was the last time Robbie Anderson played them down in Miami. Do you do 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 you remember the Robbie Anderson homecoming? I tried to talk myself into that one didn't work. But you know, Robbie Anderson is again in a good spot. I think Sam Darnold's fine here. Jamison Crowder. Um, I I I won't be getting to Ryan Griffin, but I think that he's probably a, a decent enough play. They're definitely. Pass, you can see to where that guy gets you know, what, 15 points or something like that. Le'Veon Bell is the big issue here. And his usage has been his usage has been trash. I saw that he has a podcast, man. He actually did a, has a podcast that was on Sirius or something that he tweeted out on Friday night where he was they played a clip from it and he said that like he's not getting the usage that he wants and all this bullshit like this. So maybe a little bit of a squeaky wheel narrative with him if he even plays. If he doesn't play. Look, it's going to be Ty Montgomery or it's going to be Bilal Powell. And we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about it because by the time you listen to this, it could be that he's already been established as like in, right? But just in case he's not, if we just look at what the Jets have done here these last couple of weeks, and granted, it would be totally different if there was no Le'Veon, but Ty Montgomery's played like 5% of snaps, He's gotten one target and two carries last – one target, two touches last week. Bilal Powell played 15% of snaps. Had two targets, six touches last week. Week 12, um, here on the snap counts tool, we had Ty Montgomery 19% of snaps. Bilal Powell 24% of snaps. They each had six tar- – or two touches. 
I'm sorry, two targets and six touches apiece. Week 11, um, we had Bilal Powell on 23% of snaps, Ty Montgomery on 21% of snaps. Starting this season, Ty Montgomery was the, was the absolute backup slash handcuff to Le'Veon. He has a skill set a lot like Le'Veon's. He can catch the football out of the backfield. He can do all this stuff. I mean, we came into the season thinking, hypothetically, if anything were to happen to Le'Veon Bell, Ty Montgomery's a great handcuff. During that point in the season, though, Bilal Powell was still on the uh, – he was still recovering from his uh, – was that an ACL last year? Let's see, Bilal Powell injury. Yeah, so um, – oh, was it, it was a uh, – oh, it was a neck. That was – and they thought his career could be over. That, that, now I'm remembering it. The Jets, Bilal Powell placed on injury reserve with potential career-ending injury. That was last October. And I remember whenever Byron was at Jets training camp, that's when the Bilal Powell still wasn't exactly back. So maybe now that Bilal Powell's back, maybe just better than Ty Montgomery. Like You just have to figure it out on, on your own, right? To me, I think, I think I'll lean Bilal Powell on DraftKings just because he's cheaper. And he's and he has been getting more he has been getting more run, and it's I mean it's just, it's Miami. But I'll, I'll definitely if we do get no Le'Veon, I'm going to enter into more contests because I'm going to want to play different combinations that involve Ty Montgomery and that involve um, that involve uh, you know Bullall Powell all together, not all together, but. In a big mix of like, if I'm putting out a bunch of lineups, I want I want a bunch of I want a bunch of different combinations of lineups that include Bilal Powell, and, and separately a bunch of different combinations that include Ty Montgomery. Okay, and then we just on the Dolphins side. Look, don't uh, this whole thing about Patrick Laird, um, and maybe you haven't heard this whole thing, but on DFS Twitter. He's been on some podcasts to some of these guys that are on Roto Grinders, and um, he's just he gets talked up. I mean, that Roto Wear made like a shirt of him that says, you know, our, our Laird and Savior, and like all this. But he, the fact is, he ha- he hasn't really been that good. He's just all that's left for the Miami Dolphins. I personally think Miles Gaskin is just like a little goat, and he's somebody who they're going to want to get a look at here down the stretch of the season. So I'd be more inclined to play goddamn Miles Gaskin, like. I don't think that Patrick Laird is going to be somebody that buries you to fade him. I'm just, I, I don't think that that's, I, I just, I can't, I, I can't see it. So, of course, that means a three-touchdown game coming, I guess, right? Devontae Parker is super expensive now, but you can, of course, keep playing him. This is, this is a fun game to stack. I think the only way I could see playing Patrick Laird is if I was stacking this game. And if I was doing that, I think I would just go with Miles Gaskin, like, it's hard. It's, it's it's hard to want to play Patrick Laird, man. It feels real thin to me. And if he's gonna be really popular, then it's even in tournaments. It makes even less sense. Denver at Houston, a forty-two and a half point over under in this game. As we we need to hurry this thing up, get going. Um, forty-two and a half point total here. Uh, Houston is nine point favorites. So let's just talk about it. I mean, Chris Harris will probably be on DeAndre Hopkins in this spot. We have Will Fuller, who's been looking pretty iffy all week. I heard the stat from Evan Silva. Um, 
this week. I don't remember if it was on his podcast or whether it was in the in the matchups column, but it was. Um, I'll have to tweet Silver afterwards and make sure this is right. But it was like the splits for the splits for. Let me see if I can just find it. No, I mean basically the 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 splits for DeAndre Hopkins are with and not you know Deshaun Watson with and without Will Fuller in these games is like six point one fantasy points. He's just he has he 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 finds a much higher upside when Will Fuller's in the game, even when Will Fuller doesn't have bad games. And my speculation is that Will Fuller opens things up for all these guys. So even if he's not the one making the big plays, even though he sometimes is. And in this spot, he certainly would get the better matchup, as would Kenny Stills. Having Will Fuller in this game and having to pay attention to him would probably help DeAndre Hopkins in this one. Deshaun Watson is going to be the most popular quarterback on the slate this week. And I'm not sure that that's really um, because everybody loves him as a play. I think that that seems like what the consensus is sort of sort of settled on. And um, I know that our – look, I know that our models popped him out as the top play quarterback. I'm not always exactly sure why the models do it. We built the models to pull the data that we want. And we generally, you know, take what the models spit out and try and try and craft it with a little bit of nuance to where it's not just a dumb computer telling you what to do. We, we don't like to mess with it too much, though. And I, I think that probably a lot of different – Outlets use some of the same data and, and look at some of the same key, you know, decision-making uh, points. So Deshaun Watson, it looks like he's going to be the, you know, the most popular quarterback this week. And that's going to mean elevated ownership on DeAndre Hopkins, elevated ownership on Will Fuller if he does go, and elevated ownership on Kenny Stills in a week where we are definitely looking, up, looking for value, assuming that it doesn't open up 90 minutes prior to the slate locking. Can't I can't get behind Duke Johnson? I know he had a big game last week, but I, I just I I I I need to see that more to buy it. And then Carlos Hyde, just gee whiz, talk about a guy who's seen his usage just completely take a dump. On the Broncos side, I just I'm not even like the whole fuck. I don't even want to talk about Drew Locke or any of these guys. If you want to play Cortland Sutton, play Cortland Sutton. Um, I just Drew Locke buried me last week in that damn four man that I play with Cardi and. Kyle Murray, because I was the guy who told Kyle Murray that he had to play Drew Locke, so he stacked Drew Locke and Cortland, Cortland Sutton on my ass, and I ended up losing. And this week I get Dwayne Haskins. So anyway, uh, let's move on to the next game. Like I'm not gonna, I, I'm not playing any, any of those running backs with the Broncos. I, like I'm just, I've, I've, I've zero interest. If you want to play him, play him. It's your life, free, free, free country, right? All right, the last of the early morning games, Baltimore Ravens, the Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens, six-point favorites. This should be an awesome game, man. Lamar Jackson's unstoppable. He's one of my favorite quarterback plays on the slate. I'm going to play him. I'm probably not going to pair him with Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews. I think this is a game where he can likely get a bunch of that, a bunch of the work done um, with his legs, just like usual. I saw he's got a 79.5-yard rushing prop. He's probably going to score a rushing touchdown. He's just really awesome. Uh, if we get this value to open up, he's he's easy to get up to, and there's not a single player on the Buffalo side that I would play. All right, on the on to the next game, on to the afternoon games here. The Los Angeles Chargers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a 43 total in this one. The Chargers are three-point favorites. 
this is another one of these games with Leonard Fournette and with a running back on the other side where I generally say don't play two running backs in the same game. But I'm not going to say that anymore about these things featuring Leonard Fournette because of the work he's getting in the passing game and the fact that he's been game script proof. Because we saw that the millionaire maker of the week when I said you can't play Derrick Henry and you can't play Leonard Fournette in the same lineup, but you should play one of them, just don't play them together, that was the wrong advice because the millionaire maker had them both in the same lineup. So even though I liked them both, and even though I used my brain to understand the correlations of the two players and the fact that they seemingly negatively correlated as two kind of grinding running backs who teams are going to use to establish the run on, on, on each other and likely slow down the pace of the game, slow down the number of plays in the game. What happened in that game was we saw that in catch-up mode, Leonard Fournette caught balls and you know they got down in the red zone and he was able to fall in twice. So the touchdown, the positive touchdown regression began to hit there in that game. I believe that was the Tennessee game where he had the two touchdowns. Again, very, very professional of me just to say, I think, I think. But that was the game, right? Uh, Jesus Christ, man. I, I, I never have the materials in front of me, but I just I, I do have this shit knocking around in my head. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the game. Week, week 12. Okay, so... Melvin Gordon, over the course of the last five weeks, the Jacksonville Jaguars are allowing over seven yards per carry to opposing running backs. Like, Melvin Gordon could smash here, and he's cheap. Every time we think that, Austin Eckler sometimes goes big, though. Keenan Allen just not getting the same volume. Phillip Rivers absolutely sucks. Mike Williams continues to be a dude that gets all the air yards in the world. He has has more targets already this year with zero touchdowns as he did last year when he had 10 goddamn touchdowns. Mike Williams does. And people keep expecting to talk about touchdown regression to hit. This is the touchdown regression bowl. Leonard Fournette, Mike Williams on each side. But I I just, Leonard, like, Phillip Rivers sucks right now. His offensive line's bad. It looks like he's starting to deteriorate. His arms, he's always had kind of a wacky throwing motion, and now as he gets older, he can't really pull it off the same way. So I I don't, I mean, I don't know. I like Hunter Henry. I like Melvin Gordon. I I might like a little bit of Austin Eckler. And then, you know, Keenan Allen, I'm going to play him in my season-long league, where the the league where I don't have a first-round bye. But that's season long. <laughs> who gives a sh- who gives a shit about season long on a DFS podcast? Um, Fournette on the other side, DJ Chark on the other side is fine, right? So I mean, it's fine. Um, did we get to okay? So Tennessee at Oakland. So we we're we're gonna wait on the Josh Jacobs news here. This is a good game, man. Uh, Forty-seven and a half point total in this one. Looks like about half of the half the tickets and half the money think this thing is. I mean, it's half and half as far as the over in this thing. Derek Carr could be a pretty on DraftKings. He's pretty cheap at five K, and I like pairing him with Darren Waller. I I'm not going to pair him with Tyrell Williams. I just. I'm I'm not interested in playing that guy. You know, it's funny on on Twitter this dude tweeted at us and he said he said dude what the fuck how could you have told me to keep duke johnson instead duke johnson as my keeper and 
it's a guy that's normally been really cool to us and stuff. Like he's like he's a pro member, like all this stuff like that. So I didn't I, like I wasn't going to tweet him back and like I normally would to somebody that said like that and uh, like tell him like, hey, dude, literally go fuck yourself. Go go t- go take a long walk off a short ass plank. You know. <laughs> so I went back on tweet deck and I looked for tweets that I'd made to that guy mentioning the word Duke. And the question he asked was, who should I start between, or who should I keep between Tyrell Williams for a, like a 12th rounder or Duke Johnson for a 15th rounder in, in the middle of August before we got any of the Carlos Hyde stuff? And I said, oh my God, Duke, <laughs> of course, right? So I went back and I told him, I said, I said, you asked if you should keep Tyrell Williams or Duke Johnson. At the time, we didn't know that Carlos Hyde was going to be there in, in, in Houston. Like, what the fuck are you, like, what are you, like, what are you complaining about? Even as it is, Duke has sucked, but he scored more fantasy points this season than, than, than Tyrell Williams has. And the, the, so that was the point I was getting to. He scored more points this season in PPR, Duke Johnson, who's been miserable, than Tyrell. So have fun playing that asshole. On the other side, man, like we talked about it earlier, Derrick Henry, just a monster as the season uh, continues to move on. You've probably heard the statistics about the last his last 16 games, just you know the, the pace that he's been on. It's been uh, – I mean, look, Tennessee's three-point favorites in this game. If they can keep it up, they're going to want to feed Derrick Henry. They're going to they're, they're want to feed the beast. If this game doesn't stay, stay, or if this game does does stay close, I like AJ Brown here in this spot. Ryan Tannehill's opened things up for him. I kind of like Tannehill. Uh, the 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 attempts have been really shitty, as far as his number. Of, let me let's look at his attempts per game. Um, <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill, he's at just twenty two attempts per game. That on this whole entire slate, that is the second worst, only to Duck Duck Hodges. The good news is his fantasy points per attempt. So, like, do you know who the third worst on this slate is as far as number of attempts? The best play, the best quarterback in fantasy, Lamar Jackson. He's at twenty six point zero three. But the, the the important thing to look at there is the eighty one point four rushing yards per game and the one point zero two fantasy points per attempt. Now, with Ryan Tannehill, we do we do know that he can do some work with his legs. Also, we know that he is at 0.74 fantasy points per attempt. So if we look at the fantasy points per attempt on the week, Ryan Tannehill is actually in second place. He's actually ahead of Russell Wilson this season in the games he's played as far as his fantasy points per attempt. The only guy in front of him, Lamar Jackson. So I think that uh, you could probably do worse than Ryan Tannehill, but he's going to be popular. And when Ryan Tannehill is popular, you know, traveling across the country, uh, in a game that should feature Derrick Henry heavily, how much can you really get behind him, right? And then um, let's move on to the next one. I think we only have two more left here, thankfully. <coughs> this is a big one, man. Kansas City at the New England Patriots. 49-point total in this game. New England's a three-point favorite. Looks like 54% of tickets on the under, but only 42% of the money on the under. So... Maybe the public sentiment is here on the under, but the Sharps aren't quite going along with the public. 
New England has been beatable, man, whenever they play good teams. What are they? What are they? Are they 8-0 versus teams that are under 500, and they're 2-2 two two versus teams with, with 500 and or winning records. Kansas City's certainly a good football team. Kansas City's played these guys tough before in these last couple of years. In these last couple of years, what the New England Patriots have tried to do is establish a run with Sonny Michelle and keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' goddamn hands. I think that would make a lot of sense. I did hear some talk from um, – my friend and one of the guys I really respect a whole ton, his analysis, John Proctor from the Power Hour. And he's, he had a bunch of stats about how KC has gotten wrecked by the receiving running back. And Proctor this week is on James White. And when, when I hear Proctor... Um, Get on somebody like that. You can follow, You can go find him on, on Twitter, but he's a great follower and puts out really, really sharp content. I just my, – my ears perked up, and that kind of started to make some sense to me, especially on DraftKings where, you know, James White, after that monster game he had last week, is like 200 cheaper than Sony Michelle. I do think this will be a tale of two game scripts. If this is a game where it gets kept close with the Chiefs, I, lo- I love it for James White. If it's a game where – the Patriots somehow roll on these guys or we get a couple of these New England you know, defensive touchdowns or something like that, I think it could be an absolute smash for Sony Michelle. Because I don't really like any of the wide receivers except for Julian Edelman. I don't think you should either. As far as the way that you can really hurt the Kansas City Chiefs is over the middle of the field with, with, with tight ends and with the, your slot wide receivers, and we know that they don't have a, a tight end worth of shit right now in New England. On the KC side, doesn't it seem like Bill Belichick's going to want to take away Travis Kelsey? That just seems like such a Belichick thing to do. He's going to, you know, you could probably have Stephon Gilmore handle something with Tyreek Hill, or you can bracket him or do something with that. You can maybe just sit back and say, "Look, let Sammy Watkins beat me. I'm not going to let you do it with. I'm not going to let you do it with with uh, with Tyreek or with Travis Kelsey." And then with the running backs, we got. I mean, Damian Williams looks like he's going to be out, so. LaShawn McCoy, Darwin Thompson, and they did sign off the street Spencer Ware. I, uh, that seems like it's going to be an emergency plan if, if he does get in there. Um, but LaShawn McCoy, I mean, we, oh, we've heard Andy Reid all year talk about how this guy's gotten old. He knows how to manage him, all this stuff. Uh, I mean, it could be a decent time to see what Darwin Thompson's got. It would certainly be something where you know, Andy Reid's the game plan master who's probably going to have something up his sleeve for old Bill Belichick. Could it be wrong? I mean, I don't think I could play Darwin Thompson, but maybe if a lot of this value doesn't open up and I'm playing a bunch of lineups, I, I could I could see maybe getting him in somehow. I know my boy Kyle Murray, and I, he's another guy I really respect. You can find it, you know, you can follow him on Twitter. Um, just look up Kyle Murray DFS. I do the, do the Roto-Grinder show with him. He's he's really on LaShawn McCoy this week. And whenever like like I said, whenever my friends in the industry are going to guys that I'm not necessarily on, I hear them talk about them. It's just kind of like I just want to pass it along, you know. People get on to plays and a lot of times they have really really good reason to and it might not it might be something that you have a blind spot to. I'm I'm oh shit. I'm I'm not immune to I'm not immune to those blind spots. Um Okay, and so I think that's it. And then we'll just move on to this last one here. Uh, let's see. Which one is this? Last? Oh, it's the Arizona game, right? The Duck Dynasty. 
we have the Pittsburgh. How is Pittsburgh one and a half point favorites here going to Arizona? It's crazy. Um, 43 and a half is the total in this game. Kenyon Drake may, might, seems a little bit too cheap for Arizona, but I, I mean, I don't know. He had, a, he had a decent prop here this week. As I look at it, uh, Kenyon Drake, he had a, yeah, I mean, he, had, he has a 72 total yard from scrimmage prop and a three and a half reception prop. He's plus 125 to score. Actually looking like the sixth best value on all of DraftKings, kind of just right here underneath our noses. Um, we know that the Arizona Cardinals are an easy matchup, and so with no James Conner, Benny Snell continues to maybe stay on the fringe of viability. Maybe he's just expen- he's like sixty one hundred though already, so hard to hard to pay up for him with Jalen Samuel's usage being so up and down. Hard to pay up for him. It's the what do we all, the it's it's the it's the flow chart. It's the Arizona Cardinals against tight ends. This week would be Vance McDonald. I look. Sometimes you just throw your hands up in the air and say, oh, "Look, I don't think it's going to be Vance McDonald." But, but there's no way I'm dumb enough not to have a few Vance McDonald shares if I'm running out multiple liners because that goddamn thing is hit every single week. If you're not named Tyler Eifert. credit card bill.